winning, yeah, yeah, I'm winning. Why? I'm winning, yeah, yeah, I'm winning. Why? I'm winning, yeah, yeah, I'm winning. Welcome Pewter Report readers and listeners to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. I'm Mark Cook, along with my boss, Scott Reynolds. And, hello, hello. Uh, and intern, John Ledyard. How you doing, John? I'm doing great. I'm enjoying my experience as an intern over at Raymond James Stadium today, where I am 2-0. Not a big deal at all. Not a big deal, but 2-0 is the record for me at Raymond James Stadium. And everybody has to know by now, this podcast is powered by our good friends at Celsius. Celsius. You know, you got Peach Vibe? I got it, Scott. My victory, Peach Vibe. I know everyone was wondering. Yeah. Well, th- tonight I am not drinking this orange. Uh, you know why? Because I had one at the stadium. To get right. Me. <laughs> right. So I was doing a little product placement at the stadium. Wow. <laughs> you know, I, I thought uh, orange juice, orange Celsius in the morning. I'm going to go with orange Celsius. Let's get this uh, Sunday started off right. And certainly that was the case. When you look at, at this this Buccaneer team, uh, it's, it seems like they've been energized by Celsius too. And that's what, what Celsius does. It, it energizes, um, it, your, your body for, for the active lifestyle. And the great thing about it is no sugar, no preservatives. But, um, I started my day off with Celsius, John, you know, you're, you're ending the night with the Celsius mark. Yep. Uh, what flavor are you partaking in today? What I'm doing grapefruit. Okay. My Excellent. favorite, sparkling, oh, yeah. sparkling grapefruit, of course. Wow, I got to try that one. Excellent. And now here's the thing, Bucks fans. If you haven't tried Celsius yet, what are you waiting for? We love the comments and feedback that we've been getting, not just here in the Peter Report podcast, but on Twitter too. So uh, we'd love to hear about your Celsius experience. What's your favorite flavor? There's a whole bunch of them. They just came out with a new strawberry uh, guava, I believe, is or stra- strawberry kiwi, I think. One of the- oh, no, wow. kiwi guava. Kiwi, kiwi guava, I have. I got that yeah. one. Kiwi guava. Oh, is there a new one? Okay. Yeah, there's, there's like a, an even newer one. Oh. That's the cool thing with Celsius. They're always coming out with new flavors. And if you don't know which flavor you want uh, to try, well, just get the variety pack. And you can do that by clicking on the Celsius banners on PeterReport.com. That'll take you to Amazon where you can buy them in, in, the, buy that, that variety pack. Or you can buy them in bulk if you know which flavor. Are, is your favorite and um and i've got multiple favorites uh the orange being the tops i love the grape um the the, the peach vibe john you kind of got me hooked on that too that's that's a good yeah, one that's, that's um good. but but guys uh seriously i i think that the buccaneers that they've, they've really come to play in the first quarter and whether it's with celsius or whatever they've been energized and we've now seen the buccaneers not trail in any of the last eight quarters these these last two games, they have come out like gangbusters in the first quarter. Yeah. And let's talk about the first quarter of, in case you didn't know, uh, a Bucks 44-27 to 27 win over the Falcons, sweeping the Falcons. They have now swept the Falcons, swept the Panthers this year. Of course, they got swept by the Saints. But they locked up that fifth seed, finished 11-5. and five. More importantly, guys, they finished 5-3 and three at Raymond James Stadium. They have not had a winning record at Ray J., since dating back to 2008, which yeah. was the last uh, year of the John Gruden era, uh, they were they finished nine and seven that year, missed the playoffs. 
appreciate that buck 977. Got his Celsius variety pack. Watermelon. Uh, watermelon. Yeah, it's my wife's favorite. Ashley loves watermelon. But, guys, let's talk about that first quarter because a lot happened we have to unpack. Uh, yeah. You know, it started off looking great for Mike Evans, did it not, gentlemen? Yeah, it was unbelievable. I mean, they really did whatever they wanted throughout the entire game on offense, really. But the way things started with Mike Evans, Scott, I mean, honestly, you were thinking this guy could have like a 200-yard day. And obviously, you know, he's getting open against man coverage. They The schemes were great. Uh, play calling, you know, other than a couple second and ten runs, the kill drive. You know, they were really were hitting on all cylinders. And then, you know, you have this Mike Evans free Kuiper extension injury and he drops a touchdown and they end up having to kick the field goal on that. Oh, as he gets hurt, obviously. And then they end up kicking the field goal on that drive. And it didn't really end up throwing the team off. Actually, I kind of wondered after that possession, if it would end up throwing them off, they ended up rolling the, the whole game. But man, it was, I, I was there obviously at the stadium. I'm not saying I've only been to Ray J twice now, but it was such a deflating. I mean, the dude is just loved and adored yeah. and, right after he breaks the record and they know what's kind of next and like the playoffs and he's never played in a playoff game. And it was just like the worst moment you could, could imagine in that situation, honestly, like a pick six the other way would have been less to flat. I mean, it was just that it was air was just out of the whole place. And since then, the news has trended a little bit better, which seems optimistic that it isn't like a long-term damage, but playing this week in the playoff game, which is critical, you know, it seems like it's in doubt a little bit. Yeah. And, and I think the thing too, just, just so, you know, our, our, Readers, listeners, viewers uh, know we're taping this at 730. And as of right now, uh, we've heard uh, an interesting, uh, positive uh, feedback, I guess, from a team source. Cautiously optimistic is what we've been told about Evans' injury. Uh, He did not return to the game. He didn't even return to the sidelines. They took him uh, to get an MRI directly Mm -hmm. after that injury. They're going to know more in a couple days. Obviously, with the knee injury, there can be swelling, so they're going to be taking some MRIs and, and seeing what happens. Right now, though, they're cautiously optimistic. They're taking it day-to-day. Mike Evans has played through a ton of, of injuries. He's a, he's a warrior. I don't know that he would be able to play in this weekend's game, opponent yet unknown. It'll be determined whether if Washington wins tonight, they will be the opponent if they lose a 6-10 New York Giants team. We'll host the Buccaneers right. next week, and it's crazy. But I would suspect Mike Evans uh, will certainly be out for one week. Um, but the, at least the initial feedback we've gotten from the team, unless something takes a turn for the worst on some of these uh, these medical sure. evaluations, maybe he's still available for, for the second uh, playoff game should the Bucks advance. And we should mention, too, that this podcast will be going live all this week, just like we have been, except we'll be live at 7.30. So as the playoffs come, we are we are taking the show to prime time this week for the playoffs. So we'll be on, obviously, tonight. We're on at 7.30, and then we'll be live again tomorrow night at 7.30. So we'll be able to talk at, at length about whatever update we've received about Mike Evans, about the potential playoff matchup, about the Bucks statistically where they finished out the season compared to other teams, other players, and and so on and so forth. So that show tomorrow, and we'll take a lot of your questions and answer them as well, too, on tomorrow night's show. So that'll be 7.30 Monday night. And then Wednesday night will also be on 7.30. Scott and I will preview the upcoming playoff game against whoever the Bucks opponent is. It'll either be the Giants or Washington. It'll be one of those two teams. And so we'll, we'll preview that matchup in depth on Wednesday show. And then Thursday we'll have a guest helping to further kind of break down the playoff game and thoughts about the Bucks and what's changed since the bye and so on and so forth. And so 
there's going to be a lot of great stuff coming this week and it's all going to be 7 30 p.m so just adjust your calendars a little bit to when we're going live but hopefully for some of you coming back from work that time slot actually helps you a little bit get home get settled in get your dinner get your kids down or whatever and then hopefully to be able to to tune into the podcast we're hoping that that'll help everybody kind of jump in here for the for the playoff push as we all kind of have fun uh during this week together and speaking of help mark uh, Joshua chimes in with our first super chat of the day. Anyone who thought the Bucks would let Godwin go in the offseason should watch this <laughs> game and understand why that's not happening. Speak to Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown stepping up after Mike Evans' absence and just how powerful that one-two punch was for Tom Brady today, Mark. Well, I will do that, Scott. First of all, I want to say there was one guy on this podcast who did not like the Antonio Brown signing. He's in Wasn't the top right, top top left corner up there. It's named. It rhymes with uh, Lon Jedyard, but uh, anyway. <laughs> Wasn't well, listen, all three and, of us in that boat? No, no, no. I mean, I was, oh, I was skeptical. I was skeptical about it. But no, no, no. Go back and look. I said it often. We saw the Buccaneers lose Mike Evans and Chris Godwin down the stretch last year. You know, if if this guy isn't a knucklehead and he can help the football team, what's it going to hurt having some insurance on here? And thank goodness uh, he was on the on on the team today. N- number two, I want to point out what I've been saying is the Buccaneers were trying to get Mike Evans the football to get him that record today, and you saw the guy. Just get the guy the football whenever he's on the football field. He could have had a 200-yard day today if he yeah. didn't get hurt. But really, guys, both of those guys really stood up. Chris Godwin is a guy that does – I wrote this in the in the uh, most impressive. I put him on the list, and you know, I, although the stats don't n- come anywhere near last year's numbers, it may be a better year this year because he's you know he's he's battled through injuries. He's a tough guy. He's come up clutch. Um, he just doesn't drop the football at all, and he does so much to the dirty work that that you know we don't see all the time unless you're really watching him on plays that aren't necessarily going to him. He's just a tough sob and a, and a great guy. And, uh, and I agree. I think the Buccaneers absolutely make him a priority as far as keeping him. Um, you know, you can't let that guy walk. I mean, he's not just a, a guy you can replace. I like Tyler Johnson. We, we like Scotty Miller to agree. But yeah. the, there's just one Chris Godwin on this football team. And, and, and thank goodness he's healthy. Hopefully Mike Evans can bounce back. We know Mike Evans is as tough as they come to because he played earlier right. this year. A lot of receivers, a lot of receivers would not have played in some of those games that Mike Evans played in earlier this year, but he toughed oh, it yeah. out. So um, well, it may not be the worst thing in the world. Give him, give him the week off. I mean, and, and if he can come back in a divisional game, if they end up beating the the Redskins, uh, the Washington football team, sorry, yeah. uh, and that's or, who it'll be. Or the, or the Giants, yeah. I think it's going to be Washington. But either yeah. way, you know, they've already beaten the Giants. We we know that they can um, they, they can beat the Giants. E- either one of those games look favorable right now for the Buccaneers, even if Mike Evans doesn't play because of Godwin and Antonio Brown. Well, let me jump in and just say that the Antonio Brown signing had nothing. Well, my criticism of it had nothing to do with Antonio Brown on the field, though, yeah. Mark. No, I know. I'm just Antonio giving you a hard time. Person, right. that, but that's no, what I, I do. You. Right. I know, but I hear you, and I appreciate that hard time. And I will, I will return the favor in asking you what your evaluation of Tom Brady's performance was today, because the fans are waiting with bated breath to hear your analysis. <laughs> it, I mean, the, the guy was the guy was uh, unflappable. I mean, he took one sack because Donovan Smith decided that nobody needed to <laughs> to, to block Dante Fowler Jr. Just said, you know what, screw it, we're going to give him right. one sack. Um, you know, Dante may have paid him a little bit to, to miss that one. But other than that, I mean, the guy was just uh, on fire. There were, you know, uh, a couple balls a little bit off target. But, I mean, 
you know, that throw to Chris Godwin that was your game changer, John, yeah. in your game changer article. People need to go to Pewter Report and read that right now. That that throw, I, I don't know. You know, we, we've kind of, I say we, I've criticized Tom Brady maybe a little bit for being a tad conservative at times, you know, looking at the check down, not doing the Jameis, let's chunk it down the field and, and give our guy a chance. Um, he's been doing that a lot lately, and that throw to Godwin. Yeah. A lot of guys don't throw that football. That a lot. Catch by Godwin. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. You know, catch was, yeah. But today. Scott, we can go back to to Chris Godwin's first yeah. training camp, very first training camp. Those are the things we saw. Those are the types of catches we saw every day in his first two uh, training camps. I remember almost every single day there was a highlight reel catch. I mean, the guy is just uh, just an amazing receiver. And, um, and, and, you know, the only thing keeping him from being a 1,500-yard receiver is the fact that there is a Mike Evans on this team and an Antonio Brown and a Scotty Miller and a Rob Gronkowski because if he was, you know, the, the top receiver without a lot of help around him, he would get the ball a lot more and he would be able to showcase and, and his stats would be even better than they are. Yeah, I mean, he in 11 games this season, the numbers he's put up, Scott, are, are pretty crazy. I mean, Chris Godwin's would kind of just quietly produced, you know, 65 catches, 840 yards, seven touchdowns. Remember, he didn't even play 11 full games. He missed the end right. of the Broncos game last right. half, most of that second half. Yeah. So, I mean, this is a guy that just, I mean, I think there's such a high ceiling for him. And what's crazy about this offseason is that he only has a th- one 1,000-yard season, right. and the market for wide receivers is not going to be great this offseason because mm-hmm. we've had three straight unbelievable draft classes. We'll have another one this year, another unbelievable draft class. And there's tons of wide receivers sitting the market. So yeah. it's going to help the Bucs. I know we don't want to go down this rabbit hole too much, but it's going to help right. them be able to get him for a reason. Godwin wants to stay in Tampa. Right. He he does, playing yeah. with Tom Brady for Bruce Arians and with uh, with Mike Evans. So he wants Why to. Why wouldn't he? I mean, Arians is yeah. the perfect coach for him, right? Yeah. No doubt about it. And, and I think the thing, too, is, is when you look at, at Godwin, um, don't be surprised if they can't work out a deal long term that he gets the franchise tag. You heard it first here. Uh, so just keep an eye on that. Speaking of of statistics, let me just rattle off a couple things here. Against the Falcons in two games, Tom Brady threw for 390 yards and two touchdowns just a couple weeks ago against the Falcons, then tops it with 399 yards and four touchdowns today. Since the bye week, Tom Brady has completed 94 of 136 passes. That's 69% for 1,333 yards with 12 touchdowns and one interception. And this offense has gone from scoring 26 points against the Vikings to 31 points against the Falcons to 47 points against the Lions to 44 against the the Falcons again, putting up 303 yards, 416 yards, 588 yards, and 485 yards. So they're averaging 448 yards, 37 points per game, John and Mark, since the bye week. Now, to put that in perspective, the Bucks for the season ended up 30.8 points per game. That's the third highest in the league behind Green Bay and Buffalo. But they're averaging since the bye week 37 points per game, a touchdown more than their season average. This is the hottest offense heading into the postseason right now in yep. the NFC. And that maybe includes Green Bay. And if, if it's if it's if you want to give Green Bay the slight edge, that's fine, but we're talking like 1A and 1B right now between Tampa Bay and Green Bay from an offensive firepower standpoint. Yeah, and I would remember, not give Green Bay the – I wouldn't give Green Bay the edge. I, I would say Tampa Bay. I mean, they just, statistically, I don't think even Green Bay touches those guys right no, now. I mean, they just, 
they have so, well a little bit. I mean, I don't I don't know why you say that, Scott. I mean, maybe because I have this <laughs> 1977 license plate right here, yeah. or, or better yet, this is even more old school. How about that one? And, wow. and that's and that's when the Packers and Bucks were both in in the <laughs> NFC Central right. Division, or as yeah. as Warren Sapp would say, the NFC Norris Division. Right, right. The Lindicky yeah. years. Yeah, Don yeah, McCaffrey years. Haas Wajuk points out that I don't know where, and Haas, you can mention if you saw this stat somewhere, uh, how many play action, or if you just counted this yourself going back through the game, but nine play action calls out of 42 dropbacks, three play actions on the opening drive, though. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not sure. I think, honestly, nine play actions for them is is pretty pretty solid for, for the for the Bucks offense. But, yeah, you, you, I mean, you, they were trending kind of up. But I wonder almost in this game if they just were like, it doesn't even matter. Like, I mean, they did whatever they want in the past game. There were a couple drops, um, a couple not on the same page. A, you know, even AB and, and Tom Brady not always on the same page, you know, in the vertical routes and stuff. A couple of those. But, I mean, <laughs> there was a couple, like, near catches in the back of the end zone. But there wasn't anything where you were like, man, the Falcons are just shutting down. That You know what I mean? Like, right. So I wonder if they just thought they could give Tom Brady the opportunity to see the whole field on some straight dropbacks. And that was why. I mean, you know – Play action is a great tool, but if you have other things that are working, you know, you can use those things too. But really interesting how they approach this game. Scott, you and I were talking before the game, and we said, you know, this is a game where we could see them running the football. You know, Claire was uh, was typically when they've gone in pass heavy to a game, Hudson's been up and Claire has been down, and they switched right. to this, and that was just one thing. And then, you know, Rojo's back, and so, you know, you want to protect Brady maybe some, get Evans' yards, and then – but nope, they were going to air it out all the game. I mean, they called a ton of passes. I, I just know – Brady dropped back, I think, 42 times in this game. They ran the ball 22 total times. Yeah. Um, Brady actually ran a couple of those too. So um, it was, uh, you know, not not the game plan that we kind of – I think he dropped back more than 42 times, I guess. But, yeah, it was not kind of the game plan that we were anticipating, yeah. much to our happiness now that, you know, obviously wanted Brady to be healthy. But and you know what, John, it, it's interesting, right, because we were expecting, especially in the fourth quarter with those last two possessions – that as we saw Tom Brady get 40 touchdown passes, which set not just a Bucks single season record, but also broke Peyton Manning's previous record of 37 touchdown passes with a, with a new team. Yeah. So, so Brady, you know, he upstaged Peyton Manning again today uh, with a with an NFL record of his own. But we were expecting to see Ronald Jones kind of get force fed the ball at the last you know four or five minutes of the game. Yeah, when 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 Tampa Bay was up and and Mark he you know he finished with 78 yards on 12 carries 6.5 yards did score the touchdown there in the fourth quarter but but were you guys surprised that that Arians didn't try to get Rojo that that thousand yards was was this a little bit of a payback for the for the COVID incident or what were, <laughs> what were your thoughts I mean no I was I was completely shocked you know in, inside of five minutes when the Buccaneers had the ball a couple times I thought for sure all right here we are in fact I was counting how many yards Rojo had and where the ball was after right. the Sean we Murphy bunting fumble yeah. you know thinking okay this can he get it right here if he carries yeah. it all the way in the end zone on six carries or whatever it was so yeah I was surprised I'll say this Rojo was running like he wanted that thousand yards, though. I mean, yes. that guy. I loved the aggressiveness and and the way he ran the football today. Yeah, and and uh, it's just a couple of interesting things. Um, first of all, John, you and I were talking before the game at the stadium that that the NFL is going to control the playoff schedule, right? They're going to yeah. decide which teams play when, and and you got to think that with it's not like the NFL picks favorites. 
but they pick favorites. And I think Tampa Bay with Tom Brady, that's one of those those teams that the NFL is rooting for right. uh, in, in the playoffs uh, to to advance just for ratings. Just like how I'm sure the NFL is overjoyed that the Ravens made it because Lamar Jackson, right? People wanted mm-hmm. to see Lamar Jackson in the postseason. So it's more not than they want to see Tua and the Dolphins. Defense. Right. It's not yeah. that they rigged the games or anything, but what they do no. rig, they rigged the playoff schedule. And I wouldn't be surprised. Matter of fact, I'd be disappointed if the Buccaneers got a Saturday playoff game because I think that that the NFL would love to see Devin White come off the COVID list and he would be eligible on Sunday, at least from what I'm hearing right now. If the game was on Saturday, he would not meet that 10-day quarantine threshold but that the league right. has set for, for COVID protocols. But if the game was on Sunday, he would. And I believe it's the exact same thing for Alvin Kamara in New Orleans. So uh, I think the league uh, might put the Bucks in the Saints, those respective playoff games on Sunday. And it'll be interesting to see which which team gets that primetime Sunday game. But your thoughts on that, guys? Well, I think I think the Saturday game will be a, a nighttime primetime game. I don't know about the Sunday schedule. Normally, those are the their afternoon. Well, you know what? Well, there's with three the, games with the, now. With, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right because they've added an additional uh, wild card game. So you're right. Yeah. It very well could be. I think I think you're right on the money, Scott. You know, if they're looking for ratings. Um, the NFL is hoping the Giants win, or, or Washington loses. Probably in the Giants, it's just a huge yeah. TV market. Um, Giants and, and Brady, I think, which yeah. are all bigger numbers yeah. than than Washington. Well, there's uh, the history the with, case, with yeah history with Brady and the Giants too. Plus, yeah. you, all of Boston will be watching with the Patriots out. All of Boston will be Bucks yeah. fans. Yeah, they'll all be cheering for it. So that's a big yeah. one. You, I don't know if you guys saw the TV broadcast, but there were actually people there in the stadium today wearing uh, Brady jerseys. I just. Yeah. Uh, just shake my head sometimes. I mean, you that's mean, good though. I mean, whatever. You know, they, they come. They sh- yeah, 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 yeah. I saw some walking into the stadium. They were Bucks number twelve jerseys. They were Patriot <laughs> right. Right. number twelve jerseys. So uh, Matthew, Matthew Ferrant, we thank you for your five pound super chat. I know they've been beating teams and losing records in December, but the confidence, momentum, and cohesiveness they have right now is is awesome, especially on the offensive side of the ball. John and Mark, we saw today. Uh, without Devin White, without Shaq Barrett, this team really has virtually no pass rush. Only Indomitian Sue had one sack today. Um, he, can, I, can, I, can I say one thing, though, Scott? Those, sure. There were probably six blatant holes on the Buccaneers' defensive line. Oh, I now, I'll say this. They weren't calling holes on the Buccaneer offensive line either. So they, they, they were fair both ways. But – I mean, I was screaming at my penalties today. That's the only thing they right. called. Right. I mean, there were some. There were some. Uh, there were. There were a number of, of of missed holding calls where you know Ryan, I think, would have been sacked, and maybe a couple going the other way as well. But you know, at least they didn't call you know four on the Buccaneers' offensive line and and, and none on the Falcons. But um, but yeah, I both offensive lines dominated today. I mean, when you have Grady Jarrett yeah. and Shaq Barrett out, I guess that's what happens. But yeah, right, dominant. Uh, we want to thank Joshua for a super chat. Four ninety nine seemed like Bucks traded the the dunk. Well, I'd say the, the dink and dunk to stop Ridley and the big plays to force Atlanta to convert in the red zone where they've had some issues this year. And I think that the Bucks came through with enough stops inside the red zone. And even when the Falcons scored, like on that Hayden Hurst touchdown, it came on fourth down. Yeah. And so I, I I thought the Buccaneers played well enough in the red zone holding the Falcons to some field goals 
And, uh, and of course, the Bucks had to have some field goals of their own. Uh, amazingly, Tampa Bay didn't even punt the ball once today, right. but the entire game without punting. So it was a very clean game offensively for the Buccaneers. Defensively, though, they need Devin White and Shaq Barrett back for and the Carl Carlton Davis. Carlton Davis. You know what, though? Hats off to Sean Murphy Bunting for having his worst game against the Falcons three weeks ago to having his best game of the season today. Now, again, John, you'll break down the tape a little bit more. Um, I don't know how often he was matched up specifically on Calvin Ridley. I think the Buccaneers, did, you know, that's good though. I mean, you know, he didn't, yeah. he, he really didn't kill the Buccaneers in other words, but he right. ended up with six tackles on the day. He had that big force fumble and the fumble recovery. He also had a pass breakup. So I, I thought, ended, uh, yeah, on third down, that was a huge yeah. So he, you know, he hats off to him for bouncing back because here's a guy that we've all talked about all season long, or at least the last half of the season. And if this team is going to go uh, and be successful in the playoffs, they're going to need their secondary to play better. It wasn't great today, uh, but having Carlton Davis back and if Sean Murphy Bunting can play with some of that confidence that he finished the year with last year, uh, that that bodes well for the defense trending in the right direction in the playoffs, in my opinion. John, and Mark, that that forced fumble, fumble recovery. Yeah. (laughs) I was going to say. Do, do you know? Uh, do you know what caused that forced fumble, fumble recovery, Mark? Because Scott and I yeah. may have had a little something to do with that. I mean, uh, we did. We're up. We're up there in the booth, and we were like, <laughs> I don't even remember. <laughs> we were up in the press box, and we were like, you know, Sean Murphy Bundy just. I just don't know what because remember they had that second and seventeen after their sack immediately give it up you know and murphy right. bunting was not great that he was good for his for him right, he made two right. big plays you know we and we're all on the same page there with but. Then he comes back as we're speaking and talking about how you get him off the field. And when Carlton Davis is that, he comes up, and makes this huge play on the drag route, and uh, strips the ball, recovers it. And we're like, oh, my. <laughs> it was <laughs> literally as we, after we were dogging SMB. But, but you know what? Sometimes, guys, that's are the, those are the things that have to happen for a guy to just, you know, I mean, it's football is so mental, too, obviously. Um, I he asked owned him it after the game too, because you I asked, him with your question, <laughs> and I didn't mean to. I wasn't trying to good. be a jerk, but I was just but trying to be honest, you know. And and he was, and uh, and actually, he and I chatted after the game about that specifically, and uh, he was like, "No, I, under- I understand your job. You have to ask those questions." And I was like, "Okay, cool." But uh, hopefully, you know, it, it helps him turn a corner because um, we know he he has the physical skills to do things. I love oh. the fact that he admitted that his technique was terrible. And as soon as he I said did. that, the first thing I thought of John was you because you talked about it right after that game that you know right. his 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 technique and and he was uh, letting nice. guys get off the line of scrimmage. That was the big thing, and he brought mm-hmm. that up. You brought that up in that podcast that you know he was just letting guys free or actually i think you brought it up in maybe your your bucks briefing uh yeah. the following week or whenever it was he just lets guys off of off the line of scrimmage too easily and then he's in a trail position and he literally answered that question yeah. basically like your article he was great i mean it is easy to see why they are so impressed with who sean murphy bunding is as a person and why they keep giving him chance after chance after chance and I still have my doubts that you know one game doesn't change that a couple of plays don't change you know how I feel I'm a sample size guy I say that all the time like I'm going to need to see consistent play trending in the right direction but for a game he did, he played about as well as I thought he could have played today and made a couple key plays so it's a good sign trending in the right direction they're not going to go away from him. like I said we can talk about how Ross Cockrell's been better and how we'd like to see Cockrell Dean and, and, and Davis as the top three guys it's just not going to happen um, yeah. he's going to be one of the guys. He's got to play consistently better. I think that defense is terrifying right now, to be honest. I know today they were without some guys. 
I'm not going to be too critical of them because of that, because they're key guys. I mean, their best pass rusher and your best corner, you know, when you're not super deep at either spot, the Bucs are not deep defensively other than safety. You know, it's not going to be a great day for you. And so there, there's definitely some, I understand that I'm not going to be too, you know, but they really haven't played well the second half of the season and the offense is really having to carry things. Now they look like they're but, capable of it guys. That's and, and, the exciting you, thing. and you know what, John, I was thinking about this during the game. If the Buccaneers, and it all comes down to that, you look at the Buccaneers' wins and you look at their losses. If Tom Brady is protected and has time, there's not a defense in the NFL that's going to stop him. There's too many weapons, and he's too good. So whoever they play, whether it's Washington, whether it's the Giants, whether then it's on to New Orleans or, or, or Green Bay, wherever it may be, um, they've got to be at their best at the offensive line. If they do that, I don't care if the defense struggles a little bit I, because they can beat anybody in the NFL right. with their offense when Tom Brady has time and is protected well. I agree well, with you completely. And, and if, if you're just joining our live um, podcast tonight, uh, we're streaming on YouTube. And if, if you haven't yet, go to YouTube, click on Pewter Report TV, mm-hmm. hit subscribe, and then hit notifications. And every time we're on, and we're going to be on at 7.30 this week, 7.30 Monday for the, the, the Bruce Arians day after game press conference review. We'll have a Mike Evans update. I'm going to give you a Mike Evans update real quick here in just a second. But then we're also on Wednesday and Thursday night at 7.30. So we're in prime time this week with the Bucks making the playoffs. So make sure you adjust your schedules accordingly and join us here live. So, again, if you missed the early part of the show, latest update we have is the Bucks are actually cautiously optimistic about Mike Evans' knee injury. He sustained that in the first quarter after that uh, drop touchdown pass. Uh, the ground gave way. His knee, left knee buckled. It looks scary. and uh, But right now, they'll know more in a couple of days. He did not return to the game. Obviously, didn't return to the stadium. He actually left and get got an MRI. They'll continue to do some, some testing this week. But cautiously optimistic, day-to-day is what I'm hearing right now. So we'll have to cross our fingers and and hope and, and, uh, and see what happens with Evans. Uh, uh, one thing that just happened as these afternoon games concluded, the Bucks 2021 opponents are now known. You can check out that story on PeterReport.com. The quick rundown at home, and you know the, the three division teams, obviously, home and away, Atlanta, Carolina, and New Orleans. But at home, with the Bucks playing both the NFC East and AFC East schedules at home, that means the Dallas Cowboys, the New York Giants, and also the Chicago Bears as the second-place team in the North. Those AFC teams are going to be playing at home, the Buffalo Bills and the Miami Dolphins. The away opponents, obviously, Atlanta, Carolina, New Orleans, the divisional opponents, they're playing Washington at home. They're playing the Eagles. uh, I'm sorry, away. These are the away teams. Washington away, Philadelphia away, New England Patriots away. So there you go. Tom Brady returning to – to Gillette Stadium to face Bill Belichick. The New York Jets, which our own Matt Matera will like, and then the L.A. Rams. So the Bucks will be playing the Rams three years in a row. They'll be playing the Giants four years in a row. And uh, it'd be interesting to see how, uh, how the playoffs shake out because whoever they play, whether it's the Giants or the Washington football team, they'll be having a rematch next year, uh, either at Ray J if it is the Giants, if it's the – the Washington football team, it'll be in D.C. So that news just came out with those uh, with the conclusion of those afternoon games. You can check out that that uh, story on PeterReport.com as well. 
News Scott, coming out gonna, right now. Go ahead, Actually, Johnny. Jay Glazer just reported that Mike Evans is a hyperextended knee. This is our own Taylor Jenkins tweeting this right now. Uh, just reported that Mike Evans has a hyperextended knee. The MRI didn't show any ligament damage, and the team is optimistic he can play in the first round of the playoffs. That's wow. That's we'll huge. see what happens. Obviously, yeah, stiffness and yeah. mobility is going to be yeah. huge. But I can't tell you all. Like sitting next to Scott in the in the press box, I mean, it's hard because you want to be, you try to be professional, but how can you be? Every like you know, Mike Evans is an awesome dude. You know, he's a great leader. You know, guys like you have covered him. For, you guys have covered him for years, yep. and you've been, you know, you've wanted more than anything for him to be able to play, make the playoffs, and play in the playoffs, and then he breaks the record next play, freak right. thing. And it, in a game that, you know, it mattered, but at the end of the day, like, you know, it matter, matter, I, you know what I mean? But I don't it was even just deflating. I don't, I don't even try and be uh, not a fan of Mike Evans. I, I told you guys right. this, I think, last week. Um, my, my favorite Buccaneer, if I take the uh, reporter hat off and I put the orange and white hat on, it's definitely Mike Evans. I've, again, I've been around this guy enough outside of football, besides what we've seen on the football field. He's easily, easily my favorite football player since 2014 when this guy was drafted. And Scott and I have been there the night he was drafted. We were on the conference call, the video conference call. We were there the very next day when he was at the podium at one Buccaneer place, and we've seen every snap this guy's had. And he's always been a stand-up guy in the locker room. Um, you know, I was talking to some of the PR people this week about Mike Evans and, you know, even when he doesn't want to do an interview, he'll still do the interview. You know what I mean? He's just yeah. that kind of guy. He's, he, he does, he wants to please human being. He's, yeah. he's phenomenal. And the crazy thing is right now, and, and here, you know, here's my, my five and, and, you know, people have their own, but you look at the top five Buccaneers of all time, right? Um, I, I think in most people's top five, you're looking at, at obviously the Hall of Famers, right? You're looking at Warren Sapp, Derek Brooks, Leroy Selman, in no particular order. I uh, don't want to offend anybody. Uh, Rondé Barber, I, I think just his longevity, that that's he's in the top four. That five spot's kind of fluid, whether it's Hardy Nickerson, Mike Allside, whoever. But but I tell you, when it's all said and done, uh, Mike Evans, I think, might end up as as in that top five. Uh, yeah. it, it, he's, he, I think he cemented his Hall of Fame Absolutely. status with that – with that record today. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, that's not a Buccaneer record listen, the NFL has been playing for over 100 years. Now they haven't always thrown the football, but for what he did, for what he to accomplish. And he accomplished this on some really, really bad football teams too, to be honest with you. I mean, he didn't have Tom Brady throwing to him uh, since 2014. I mean, he had, the Josh McCowns of the world and and then Jameis and then, you know, whoever else in between Glennon. So, you know, he's just, he's been able to adapt and succeed and and play well and and not really have any drop off and uh, just a good guy all around, just a great guy. And I'm, I'm happy. That's great news because uh, I've seen Buccaneer players get carted off the field and injuries and you, and you're like, well, damn, that's, that's too bad. But this one really shook me because number one of, of how it happened and when it happened right after getting that record and the fact that now the playoffs are coming and you talk about a guy that deserves to be on the field when the playoffs start it's Mike Evans oh yeah, yeah. absolutely and what's great about this guys you know obviously Evans coming you know if he's able to come back and Glazer's right and Glazer's not one to he's not wrong very often so right. we take a lot of a lot of solace in what he says for sure but you know if he comes back it's just it becomes this thing, guys, where the Bucks offense, now that they are kind of the more, more cohesive, consistent unit, it becomes really impossible to kind of how do you stop this team without getting some breaks? I mean, the Falcons got one break today, and, you know, honestly, for a while there, it looked like that would be the only one they need. I mean, the Bucs had one possession in the third quarter, and 
they had gone – I mean, the Falcons had scored what? At the end of the first half, then they got the ball. The beginning of the scored. second half, then yep. the Bucks had the long drive and the fumble uh, or the interception off Scotty Miller's hands. And then the Falcons scored again. And then it was the Bucks right at the end of the – I think the end of the third quarter, they got the ball back with like 20 seconds left in the third quarter. And so it was that stretch of football where the game swung on, right? And then as soon as the Bucks got their possessions back – there was just not, there was no way. I mean, Atlanta couldn't do anything to stop him. And remember, this is not a, a slouch Atlanta defense that started the season. This and it's not like they were coming off one good game just against the Chiefs either. This team was playing legitimately good football over the second half of the season against quality opponents. I mean, they were holding the Saints offense down. I know there were meetings without Breeze, but Breeze isn't exactly lighting it up for the Saints offense. It's a scheme and Kamara and those guys that are lighting it up. I mean, 24, 21 points they held the Saints to in those games. Held yeah. the Raiders, which is a very explosive offense, to six points in that game. The Chargers, another super explosive offense, to 20 points in the way those guys. And then the Chiefs to 17. The Bucs scoreless for half. But again, two games against the Bucs, they've given up, what, 75 points in those yeah. two games. Hey, um, speaking of points, I would be remiss if we didn't point out the fact that the Buccaneers shattered their, their scoring mark for a single season. They had 500, I'm sorry, four, 400 and, uh, 458 points coming into today's game, I believe. And they finished now with 592 points. Yeah. An absolutely astonishing uh, yeah. record for the, the Buccaneers. And, and again, they finished the season averaging 30.8 points per game. And, and they've now been averaging since the bye week, 37 points per game. Heading into the playoffs, this this offense is hotter than hot right now. Yeah, it's and and people are going to talk, and I see already a comment in there about not overreacting. The Bucks got floored against winning teams. Well, the Bucks beat two play or lost beat one playoff team in the Packers, uh, and they lost to several other playoff teams this season. Some of those games were close. I think we all agree, regardless of opponent, they were not the Bucks that we see right now. They were not the team coming out of the bye is a different team. They're different, not just in the fact that the players are more on the same page. They are different in their philosophy. They are throwing the ball on early downs. They are getting first downs on first down and on second down. They are going more play action. I, I wrote an article this past week about it. You can look at all the numbers. I'm not making it up. It's not an overreaction to results. It's a look at the process. You know, the results, right. you're right. They whoever said that, you know, the comment on that, you're right. Results can vary month to month, week to week, and it could mean nothing. But process always means something. Process always means something as long as you stick with that process. And so the Bucks' process has improved. Will they stick with it? Will they turn the ball over four times in a game and that could make the difference? Sure. It doesn't mean the Bucs are winning the Super Bowl, but it does mean this is not the team that lost to the Rams. It's not the team that lost to the Saints. It's not the same team right now, nor is the Rams the same team from that, that time. And no one would disagree with that. <laughs> That's not, this is not the yeah. same Rams team, and even with or without golf. So it's different. It changes over time. You know, people, every time I put out power rankings, people are like, oh, what happened? This team beat this team in week three. How can you have them over this team? Because football changes. Not the same. One result is not bigger than the big picture. And right now the Bucks are clearly a better team than the Rams and, and better team than Chicago and maybe a better team than Seattle and some of the other teams in the NFC. They could, you could make a conversation that the Bucs are the hottest team in the NFC right now. Doesn't mean they won't lose in a one game playoff. Football is a fickle game. It doesn't mean those things. And it's not, it, it didn't age well. I hate those comments. Like we are looking at the process. We are not looking at the Bucs being 11 and five and winning right. four straight games. We're looking at how they did it and how they did it shows that they are doing a ton of things the right way. And it means good things for this team moving forward. It doesn't make yeah. them perfect. Just and, and Mark, moving forward. As much as you were willing to say that the Bucks are hotter than the Packers right now, looking at the the statistics now, 
the the Buccaneer the the Packers swept the Bears. They beat them today, 35-16. They beat them earlier in the season, 41 to 25. That was up in Lambeau. That they won today in Chicago. And in between those those victories over the Bears, you're looking at a, a 30 to 16 win over the the Eagles, a 31-24 win over the Lions, a 24-16 win over the the Carolina Panthers and a 40 to 14 win over the Titans, which is probably the most impressive one out of of them all. But that's one, two, three, four, five, six straight wins for the Packers now heading into this, um, this postseason. And, and, you know, you have to look at, at the fact that, that uh, they're going to have the first round by. So with, with us still waiting to see who the bucks will play. and, And obviously we'll have plenty of time this week on the Monday in the Wednesday podcast to talk about the Bucks' first round playoff opponent. Who do you guys like in these these the matchups that we do know in the NFC? Uh, which let's start first with with the Saints and the Bears. Well, the Saints. Yeah, it's not even close. <laughs> I, don't have a lot to say. Yeah. I don't have a lot to say about that. The Bears were eight and eight and got in, man. I mean, the NFC last, that seven seed did not work out for the NFC at all. It worked out great for the AFC because they would have had two, like 11 and 5, 10 and 6 teams out of the playoffs if they didn't have that seven seed. It did not work in the NFC. Um, the yeah, Saints no, should I, roll the Bears. They should. And, and, and But I also said they should have you know rolled over the Vikings last year as well, too. Sure. Um, but I also thought the Packers would beat the 49ers last year, too. The Packers were 13-3 and three in the regular season last mm-hmm. year, and, and the 49ers smoked them in that championship game. So, you know, what you're saying, John, is is, is each game is, is its own game. I mean, you can't it go is. by – you know, it starts now. I mean, a new season starts tonight, and – and um, and we'll see, but uh, yeah, no, I think the Saints are certainly they're clearly better than the Bears. Um, yeah. But I mean, you just I, I would not want to have to be the guy. I mean, I w- I'm glad I'm not a a better uh, on on playoff football games because it can mm-hmm. be it can be pretty um, pretty. Um, I don't know the right word. What I'm trying to say, Imp- uh, uh, unpredictable is what I guess I'm trying to say. Yeah, the thing too is is Trubisky. The blooms off that rose right real quick. I mean, he had no touchdowns. Uh, one interception against uh, the Packers in that loss. He had mm-hmm. one. He had one completion over ten yards, like through three quarters. I mean, yeah, he was throwing at seventy percent completion percentage, but they were all, you yeah, know, quick little enough. dump balls, dink and dunk things. And he did hit a couple deep balls later on, but um, you know, they're 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 just not a very good football team. And the Saints Saints defense is is for real. Uh, they're they're right. better defense this year than they were last year when they did lose to the to the uh, well, yeah the best Eagles. defense in the NFC for sure. I think yeah, yeah. I, I definitely agree. And and I think they had five interceptions today too. Uh, granted, it was it wasn't against a good quarterback, but when you look at at um, at defense, that's really how the Rams won today without Jared Goff. They they knocked Kyler Murray out of the game, and then Murray came back, I guess, towards the end, but. But uh, they they got a safety, a pick six. Uh, it was that defense that, that really kept the Rams uh, in this game and and really secured them a playoff spot. So they're going to be playing Seattle. I, I'm su- I'm supposing without Jared Goff. So a quick look at that: the Rams and the Seahawks split this year. Obviously, Goff played in yeah. uh, both of those games, but you had a a, a loss at. LA for Seattle 23-16 so the Rams won that game but then uh, just a couple weeks ago on the 27th of December the Seahawks returned the favor beating the Rams 20 to 9 up there in Seattle so your thoughts on 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 a, the third matchup between the Rams and Seahawks 
I mean, it depends on 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 who's playing and who's not playing. I guess. I mean, if 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 golf is going to be out, um, then I mean, I think it's Seattle easily in that in in that football game because the Rams backup looked awful today. And the little bit that I was watching while we were working on stories, he just wasn't you know wasn't able to do a whole lot. But but they won with their defense, like you said today, Scott. And so the defense is still really good. Uh, but I think you have to score points in the playoffs. I mean, you know, I love the people who say defense wins championships, and there's an argument that can be made. But we also saw a Buccaneer defense that was number one in the league for, you know, like eight years in a row or, or top ten uh, or top five for, for at least that long. And they and they won one Super Bowl. I mean, you've got to score points. I mean, they lost 11-5 to five to the – wasn't 11-5? to five, Was that the championship game against the Rams, Scott, uh, when, when, they, when the Rams scored late uh, with the Kurt Warner pass to Ricky Prohl? I mean, you got to score points in the playoffs. And uh, the Rams are not going to score enough points in the playoffs if Jared Goff's not playing quarterback. I think that Seattle should be favored in the game, but I, I, I mean, Sean McVay has tradition has typically played very, done very well against uh, Seattle, and so it's an interesting game because of that. I know they lost the last time they played, but Jared Goff was really horrible, and so I really do think if Jared Goff's healthy and if Jared Goff plays well, the Rams will win that game, even though Seattle might be favored. Seattle just offensively looks totally out of sorts right now, and they have for an extended period of time, really. Uh, when they weren't John, playing, I think mean, the Jets they John, blew up. But it was actually John, eleven to six in that NFC Championship. Yeah, eleven to six. John, what do you know about predicting games? I mean, you were only fifteen and one in the Pewter Report preview and predictions this year. So I don't want anybody. Don't take John's advice. He doesn't know what he's talking about when he's predicting games. <laughs> you actually got one wrong this year, John. Damn it! I know. Which I, game? There's the Bears game too. It's the freaking Bears game. Yeah. yeah, I've done this for twenty five years. I've never been fifteen and one. So no. That's up. Man, that's that's outstanding. Luck. There's yeah. a little bit of luck involved with that, but I appreciate it, guys. It was fun. I mean, I honestly, you know, I mean, we'll see. We got to keep it going. That's the thing. Now the pressure is really on. Like, I got to pick the playoff games right, and so you know, this first round, I'm going to be looking at everything in this first round. But you know, football, like I've said, is a game of matchups more than anything. It's how teams match up with each other. And that's why, even when Seattle's been better than the Rams, you know, the Rams have just matched up with really well with them and been able to beat what Seattle does really well. They've got a great scheme to be able to counter what Seattle does. Seattle, actually, their defense not totally dissimilar in terms of coverage from a lot of what the Bucs do, except the Seattle presses and, and uh, the Bucs don't press very much, but a lot of the same single high concepts and a lot of you know cover one, cover three. And so they're, that's why the Rams came out and had so much success against the Bucs too. And so I think that the Seahawks have tried to start to change some things that they've done, but the Rams defense is so good, guys. I mean – so good. That's why I was really hoping the Rams would play the Saints first round, man. I really oh, wanted yeah. – I was yeah. hoping they might be able to because that defense is – I mean, they scored uh, 10 points today, nine points today, I think, by themselves. I mean, they had a pick six. They had a safety. I mean, they were just – they were great. Um, you know, so – They blocked and, a field uh, goal. Blocked a field goal. Like, they just have great yeah. – I think they're really well coached, so they have a chance uh, to beat Seattle for sure. That would make it interesting because that would mean if the Rams – if the Bucks win, and we're obviously getting ahead of ourselves, but if the Bucks win and the Rams win – and the Saints take care of business against the Bears, that would mean that the Bucs would play the Saints in the next yeah. round, and the Rams and the would Packers, play the Packers. Yeah, and the Rams would, pay the, would play the Packers. So, so yeah. The Saints that, times three. Yep, yep. I don't know. Um, you know, the, the interesting thing, too, is is worth pointing out. Uh, we, we were concerned about, about Ryan Suckup missing those kicks. He missed two extra points and a field goal up in Detroit. Uncharacteristic. You, you were worried about it. Well, we weren't, Scott. It was only you. Okay. All right. That's fair. No, no uh, I'm just kidding. I, I, it was I, actually me. It was actually was me. You fair. actually you made excuses harder. for him. I was like, oh God, here we go. But yeah, yeah no. Uh, so Hell of Ryan a bounce back. Up, Ryan Suckup 
perfect today. Three of three field goals, four of four on actually five of five on the extra yeah. points. Yeah, five of five touchdowns today by the Bucks offense. So, yeah, so a perfect showing for him. And and uh, we talked about how the Buccaneers broke the franchise record with 492 points. Um, and and listen, Suckup was a big part of that. I don't have the numbers handy, but he did surpass. Uh, Matt Bryant in 2008 for the most points by uh, by any Buccaneer. So he Ryan Suckup in his first year in Tampa. Uh, it's not just Tom Brady breaking records, folks. Ryan Suckup uh, having the best year of any kicker in Bucks history, and uh, and boy they needed it, right, Mark? I mean, you and I have yeah. been there watching uh, a, a dozen or more kickers uh, in Jason Light's tenure alone come through, whether it was trades or, or big free yeah. agent signings or in-season signings or draft picks just swing and miss so many times. But but for, for them to have um, not just the greatest quarterback in Buccaneer history, Tom Brady, coming through this year, uh, the Hall is a one Buccaneer place, but also Ryan Suckup is, is, is phenomenal because Suckup played a huge role, obviously, in, in helping the Bucs break that points record. He's, he broke the single-season uh, points record all by himself. But you know I mean, what I was thinking today, watching games today, Scott? I realized the Buccaneers lost two games this year because of kickers that they let go. Cairo Santos hits yeah, the field goal. The yep. And and then Matt Gay. Matt Gay, of all people, comes in in that Rams game and makes it the 27-24 final right. score in that game. See, Jesus, it's bad He's enough. They have bad luck. Too. Then they let guys go, and they come back and beat this football team. So, uh, anyway, I don't know. I don't even know. Is Matt Gay still with the Rams? I'm not sure. Yes, yes. They got let go of their other kicker, and they kept him. He's oh been gosh. great, I think, for them. So, yeah. I mean, he was he was not like a horrible player. Like, he wasn't like a guayo. Like, a game was no, like no. Like, no he there was, was a lot of promise there. It was just a couple games where he fell apart, and that could still happen. So, But my point, guys, that I kept coming back to watching this game and really thinking about just this season, I just don't know how. How does anyone win executive of the year over Jason Light? I mean, how? Like, how could any like he brought in Tom Brady, brought in Rob Gronkowski, like brought in Ryan Suckup, yeah. even Antonio Brown? Like, look at how you know big that move yeah. was uh, today, and we'll see if you know he can obviously say on the straight and narrow. But you know th- that move, um, you know, I mean, just the draft picks, you know, the way he built the secondary and Tristan this year's Wirfs. draft, Tristan Wirfs and Antoine Winfield. Yeah. I mean, ridiculous offseason. I mean, this guy had an all-time offseason. You know, Tyler Johnson's he, player, even Keyshawn Vaughn looks like he can tie his shoes. He, he like, needed it, though. I mean, he needed yeah. it because, uh, yeah. you know, 2016 will still haunt him a little bit. And when you – listen, the fact that he survived three head coaching changes and having the overall number one draft pick in Jameis Winston and, and, and that not working, that just doesn't happen. In, in football. I mean, that just doesn't happen. So, you know, he needed this year to go good. It was, he was due to have some good fortune. And uh, and you know what? A lot of that goes to his guys, too. John Spitek and, and, and yeah. Beal and some of those other guys in that front office. That, also that really Mike are, Greenberg, too. Mike Greenberg. Oh, yeah. uh, listen, I, I think one of Jason Light's best moves was keeping Mike Greenberg, the Bucks' capologist. I call him the cap wizard because this guy has kept Tampa Bay out of salary cap hell the entire time he's been here. And he was originally a Mark Dominic hire. Um, so I, I think that was one of the best moves that the light made was to keep Greenberg. Those guys had done a phenomenal job, not just in helping the buck salary cap, but doing these key restructures that have freed up money when needed right. and, and the contract extensions, right? They, they've not allowed uh, anybody that they've really wanted to keep uh, leave Tampa Bay. And they've, right. re, they've redone Levante David. 
um, you know, they're, they're going to redo Levante again Mark and re-up him. Um, you know, there's there's been a, a, a lot of of, uh, of accolades that Jason Light deserves. And you know who else deserves some praise? The Glaziers. Um, uh, they got knocked a lot for, for going through this Rolodex of, of coaching hires, right? Two or three years tops. Uh, Raheem Morris got three years, then he was done. Shiano got two years, he was done. Levy Smith got two years, he was done. Dirk Cutter got three years, he was done. And and a lot of people lamented the fact that the Glaziers um, kept burning and churning these coaches and not allowing for continuity. But the thing is, guys, when you don't have the right guy at, at the top of, of the organization, um, it, it messes everything up. There's got to be that 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 you know, GM and, and head coach have got to be in sync. Right. And then they made the smart move by sticking with the right guy, which is the light guy. Jason light was, was the right guy. And it took, it took a long time, but if you go back and look at, at the roster that, that light inherited, I mean, it was, it was Levante, David, Doug Martin, um, Vincent Jackson and Gerald McCoy. And, and I mean, and that was really about it right. in terms of, of, of players that were really worth a damn, four guys, and um, two on offense, two on defense, and and, and Jackson was aging, and and uh, you know I, I, I'm just very happy for Jason Light. He he's really been through the ringer, um, but but it, it all paid off. And and yeah. you, you look at the moves he made, trading for Jason Pierre-Paul, um, luring Bruce Arians out of retirement, signing Tom Brady. I mean th- that's just like the. The, the pinnacle, those are the, the top moves. But then there's been a plethora of moves all the way down to getting Ross Cockrell in right. season, who's been a or, or, or Russ, as, as I and Chris Myers call him a lot. Chris yes, Myers called right. him Russ today, by the way, on the TV broadcast. You probably missed that. but And, and listen, he brought in Alan Cross. I mean, come on. I mean, that's, that's a hell of a move by Jason Light. Seriously, though, Jason Light has brought in guys – um, it's, it, you know, everybody wants to put a feather in a cap for the top draft picks that make it, but he's brought in some, some role players the, the yeah. year that he brought Joe Hawley in here, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Godster I mean, you know, uh, making the move on DeMar Dotson, he could have easily kept DeMar for one more year, right? DeMar yeah. wanted to stay here, would have played for pretty cheap. Uh, but he, but he made that tough decision to move on and to draft a rookie tackle right. that, that is a gamble. It really is a gamble when you're drafting offensive linemen. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, uh, hats off to him and, and his whole staff. And perfect, but, but I, at the end of the day, the Glazers showed patience with him yeah. because at the end of the day, he deserved the patience. They did. They weren't patient with the coaches that, that couldn't get the results on the field. And, and sometimes they didn't have all the players. It's been a work in progress. Rome wasn't built in a day, but, but boy, fellas, 11 and five. Yeah, it's pretty great. Uh, it's only happened a couple of times in franchise history. Right. It's pretty great. Uh, you know, I was looking back through some of the articles before the season. Uh, you know, I like to go back and look and like, how what was my process in thinking about this team? And did they get, did they do what I expect them to do and things like that? And if you guys remember, I wrote an article predicting the offensive production. Do you remember this? I was writing yes, an article yes, predicting yep. the offensive production. So I kind of like popped in my head the other day. I went back and looked. And here's the final count. Now, this was before the final game. So now I've got the final count here. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Yep. Tom Brady, I predicted 585 attempts, 374 completions. He ended up with 401 attempts, so 16 more attempts than I had. Okay. And 400 or sorry, 610 attempts, which okay. was 25 more attempts than I had. 401 completions, which was 16 completions more than I had. So right. I had him at, I had him at about the same completion percentage. 
that he ended up at, which was 65.7%. I had him at 4,600 yards. He finished with 4,633 yards. So I was just off on that one. I had him at 33 touchdowns, which I saw was optimistic. He yeah. got 40 touchdowns. Had him at 11 interceptions, and Scotty Miller screwed it up and ended up with game 12 <laughs> for the season. Had him at 7.8 yards per attempt. He was at 7.6 yards per attempt, yeah. so tiny bit under what I had for yards per attempt. And then it's the same thing with the with the position guys, the skill guys. You know, Mike Evans had him at 75 catches. He ended up with 70 catches. Had him at 1,006. He ended up with 1,006 yards. Had him at 1,000. 152 yards and he he had I had him at seven touchdowns he ended up almost doubling that with 13 would add 14 if he hadn't gotten hurt on that play today Godwin's projections were right around what I had him I had him at seven touchdowns he caught seven Scotty Miller was the one that it looked like he was gonna blow early on in the season I was like he's gonna blow out my projections and he still did kind of he ended up with 501 yards on the season so he did pass that 500 mark and and I predicted him only for 353. So it's kind of fun to look back. But the one that caught my eye was obviously O.J. Howard. 51 catches, 707 yards was my prediction for him. And he was about on pace for that when he was hurt. But then it was kind of a plethora of guys stepping up and replacing that production, obviously, and turning around being yeah. the main one. But it was Tyler Johnson for a while as well and even some of the backs. And you know Gronkowski was almost exactly what I thought before the season. If he was 40 catches for – I had him at 40 catches for 520 yards and six touchdowns. He ended up with 45 catches for 623 yards. So he 100 yards more than I even thought that he did. And I think that was the one people ragged on me the most for. And he had a one touchdown more than I had too. So numbers weren't too bad, uh, weren't too crazy off, but it was fun to look back and kind of like see what the projections were for this offense and see in many ways how they superseded that. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you can't say enough, like Aaron said in today's presser, about what they've done without the practice time that they needed with bringing in a new key piece in AB, like it's pretty wild. I mean, they're, they're, what this group's done is pretty wild and, and now we've got a chance to, can they do it in the playoffs? That's what's going to be the key. And that's what we'll be able to talk about all week on the show. Obviously seven 30 yeah. will be on Monday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night. Uh, make sure you guys are tuning in. You'll go into the UP report TV on YouTube, hitting the subscribe button. We're getting up there in subscribers and we love it. We appreciate it. But remember, even after the playoffs do end and the buck season does end, whatever that looks like, we're going to be still on here four days a week. We're going to be talking NFL draft. We're going to be talking combine, whatever that looks like. We don't even know yet. Mm-hmm. All those kind of things. We'll be talking about senior bowl, you know, all that stuff will be brought to you here. Um, and we'll have tons of guests too. So you're going to want to make sure, you're subscribed and uh, that you've got the notifications going um, and you're able to kind of run through uh, the, those shows with us because we're going to have a, a really fun time on the show. So it's that time, fellas. we got to get our game balls going, right? Well, and you know what? Um, the, the, I, I'm going to say this. From from a personal standpoint, I'll give you my, my Bucks game balls in a minute. Okay. From my personal standpoint, uh, I think Briar Greaves deserves a game ball, John. I really do. And, and Mark, <laughs> yeah. you know your point? You're the one who told me about Briar Greaves uh, beforehand. And and listen, the reason why they're getting a game ball is because I, my homeowner's policy was in jeopardy. I had a couple of of, of incidents around, uh, you know, the structure of my house that, that needed to get resolved. And Briar Greaves told me exactly what needed to happen. And, and I switched policies, uh, switched companies, um, and, and I, I made the right call. A lot of homeowner companies are canceling. They're not renewing their policies. They're leaving Florida. Some of those companies are just off and, and left Florida. It, and some of them have increased their premiums significantly. So I did what Mark Cook told me to do. I called Briar Greaves. I spoke directly. 
on a couple of occasions to Briar and Sam for that personalized touch of information and 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 getting the scoop on the best rates. And and the thing is, is when I say personal touch, when I email Briar or Sam, guess what happens, Mark? They, they email, email you right back. back. Right back, yes. <laughs> right back. I mean they're I actually in the office working on a daily basis. Yeah. They're not on the I golf course five days day. a week. It, it's like within the hour that, that right. like if I want to get a hold of them, I email them, I pick up the phone, and I'm talking to them, not the representatives, the people right. who own the company. Briar Greaves Insurance, family owned and operated in the Tampa Bay area for over 30 years, serving the Bay Area with homeowners insurance, auto owners insurance, boat owners insurance, life insurance, commercial insurance, and even flood insurance, which we need, if, especially if you're in a high risk area living by the coast because we're living on a big sandbar here in the state of Florida. The folks at Briar Greaves, as we've talked about before, John and Mark, they're big Buccaneer fans. So that's the cool thing. You get to pick up the phone, and I know insurance can be kind of boring and dull and drab, and nobody wants to talk about it or pay for it, but these guys will help you save money, get you insured, and they'll talk Bucks football with you. How cool is that? They're yeah. proud sponsors of the Pewter Report podcast and on pewterreport.com. Visit briargreavesinsurance.com. Just click on the website. Go check it out yourself and – and, and then let, let us know what you think about that in the comments. Or give them a call at 813-876-4166. That's 813-876-4166, briargreavesinsurance.com. Game balls. Game balls. Uh, I'm going to go first because I have a radio ahead. thing at 840, so I've got to be out of here in yeah. 10 minutes. But I'm going to go ahead. first on this. And uh, my first game ball is going to go to... Um, I'm going to give it to Mike Evans, not just because, you know, he set the tone early in that game, um, but just a guy that's deserved to get, to see where the Buccaneers are. Uh, he's helped the, he's helped this team. He's, he's a guy that, that has been over backwards to help the team salary cap wise. It's not just what he does on the football field, uh, but for breaking the NFL record. And I was telling somebody earlier, this isn't just a Buccaneer record or just an NFC record. This is in the history of the NFL. I appreciate Mike Evans, what he's done. Um, Obviously, Brady Gronk. I mean, not Brady Gronk. Uh, A.B. Godwin, those guys, you guys can pick them. But I'm going to go Mike Evans on the offensive side. Defensively, um, I'm going to give it to Sean Murphy Bunting. I know people are kind of mm. giving him a hard time, and and, and Johnny's, Johnny's grimacing at that a little bit. And he'll break down the film and point out that he gave no, up. No, it's not about John. It's not about point. John. I thought you were going to give it to, to a certain uh, linebacker who is really good to Oh, him. yeah, Kevin Minter. You're right. That led the team in tackles. You're right. Yep. Just goes to show you. Linebackers are all interchangeable, fellas. But no, Sean Murphy bunting uh, with a bounce back game. And I, and I, listen, I'm, 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 I'm knocking on wood right here that that strip fumble, whatever it was, the fact that he played better today, that he didn't give up uh, a touchdown pass in this game is the is the catalyst that pushes him to play better. He doesn't have to be an all-star, an all-pro, or a pro bowler in the playoffs. He's just got to be better than he has been this year. And hopefully having Carlton Davis back gives the Buccaneers more flexibility in that secondary, and they do play better. So those are my game balls. Ryan Suckup always gets a game ball from me also all right so but my game balls are going to go to on offense antonio brown wow. scott hates ab <laughs> won't give him the game ball no that's not true i just wanted ab to produce i just didn't like right. that he was catching about eight yards or get about eight yards per catch uh when he first got to tampa now he still yeah. messes up a lot of vertical routes. But he's not calling the plays, Scott. I mean, he, he, he catches what they tell no, him but to he wasn't throw. doing a lot with the ball once he got yeah. it in the seasons. And now we've seen that, that run after the catch. We've seen that vintage A.B. 
and it really it really showed on that 30-yard catch and run to end the scoring for the Buccaneers, that final touchdown. 11 catches today, a season high, 138 yards to lead all receivers. 30-yard touchdown, had another 25-yard touchdown, which actually was a pass. Looked like the Scotty Miller AB said, nope, thank you. I'm getting now in two touchdowns for Antonio Brown. Really stepped up today when the Bucs needed him without uh, Mike Evans, just like Bruce Arians said. If Mike can't go, we're going to put AB at the slot, and we're going to keep on trucking. And that's exactly what happened today on the defensive side of the ball. I am going to go with Kevin Minter. I thought he stepped in. And very much like like Devin White, he's not a, a not nearly the, the splash player that White is. Doesn't have that sideline to sideline speed, uh, but he is a north south kind of guy. Not the best in coverage, uh, but nine tackles today. He was a steady Eddie. There wasn't a huge drop off in terms of of tackling. I didn't like the soft zone that the Bucks played. I think a lot of that was due to the Carlton, fact that Carlton Davis didn't play. But um, you know, and you, you could say that, that there was the touchdown. Um, where he didn't get enough depth on the Hayden Hurst. Uh, there was a play-action pass down there on fourth down. Uh, other than that, though, I, I like Kevin Minter. I thought he did an incredible job stepping in, leading the way with nine tackles. Other than that, I didn't like a, a lot of what the Bucks did defensively at all, but Kevin Minter gets my game ball. Christian Peterson uh, says here, not giving Brady the game ball, you actually just try to be a hipster. If there's one word I could use to describe you guys, it would definitely be hipster. That's definitely the one. <laughs> Yeah, Scott and I are the farthest thing from the hipster. That was yeah. that was Trevor. Farthest that was definitely thing. not us. Yeah. I, I, think, I think Mark and I were like uh, Clint Eastwood from El Camino. Get off my lawn! I think yes. we're, we're in the age of. But life. Christian is right about this. Brady is definitely getting my game ball. I mean, Antonio Brown and Chris Godwin were outstanding. But he's right. If it wasn't for Evans, you know, I understand yeah. why he dropped it. I'm not blaming him for it. But that's a touchdown. If Cam Brady doesn't fall out of his break. That's a, I mean, he was going to dust that guy. Like, I think that's a touchdown. Brady threw it with perfect timing. And that would have been six. And so I just he's been unbelievable. It's just I mean, too it was, easy to give it to Brady. I mean, that's just it, too obvious of a choice. It is, but, like, at the same time, that's why, like, I feel like I need to give it to him because we take Brady for granted. We only talk about him when he's bad. You know what I mean? And he's and he was brilliant today. And, and we don't even talk about the offensive line. I mean, I know it's not sexy to talk O-line on, on this stuff. But, I mean, not ridiculous. I mean, ridiculous was the offensive line. It was ridiculous today. I mean – Falcons blitzed a ton over and over again in the second half. Didn't matter. Like, nobody got through. I mean, even Fournette was blocking well today. Like, and, and I mean, it was, Hey, we saw Brady have five carries today for three yards, but at least he moved around the pocket. Yeah, John, moved around the pocket. Team. We're watching the press box. We thought, is Brady going to take off and try to run for the first down? <laughs> I mean, what the – Brady's throw on the move to Antonio – I mean, maybe it was yeah. to Scotty Miller. It didn't matter. Like, it was a perfect ball to either of them. And, I mean, it just – he is 43 years old. He just yeah. threw 40 touchdowns without an offseason in a brand new offense that everybody said he couldn't play in and that people said he was he was washed four or five weeks ago. I mean, yeah. it's just unbelievable. Like, we'll never see it again. We'll never see anything like what Brady is again. I really don't think we will. Not in terms of just – like, I think we'll see other quarterbacks as good as his peak play maybe, maybe not as successful as his peak play when the Super Bowls – that he did, but we'll see other quarterbacks play at his level, but not to the age. I mean, the age and the way that he's cared for his body, I mean, it's unbelievable to watch him. They're, physically, I'm telling you, there's no drop-off in ability. Yeah. Physically, there just isn't. The league has changed. It's made it harder for pocket passers, which in a lot of ways makes what he's doing even more completely absurd. Um, it is. I mean, there are not a lot of pocket passers that are eating it up in the NFL today, and Brady yeah. is 
is is absolutely in it. I mean, he has been phenomenal this season. So he gets my game ball. I thought he was unbelievable in this game. Defensively, you're right, Scott. I mean, there was not a lot to get excited about in this game. Levante David was was great, though. I know I always end up picking him. I can't believe you picked Kevin Minter over Levante. I was trying to think of who I'd pick if you picked Levante David and Kevin. Uh, but Levante David had a big. I was going to set Levante up for you, John. That's I, I know. I appreciate that. And yeah, Dominican Sue had a decent game, yeah. too. Yeah. Um, I just can't give it to anybody because of the pass rush. Um, but it was just so bad. But I mean, you know, but I thought David early in the game, slash through, tackle for no gain, lost a half yard, whatever, tackle for loss later in the game. Stripped, uh, stripped a uh, receiver. I think it was Brian Hill and a three-yard pass over the middle. Stripped him, and uh, the Bucks should have recovered. Didn't, didn't recover, and the Falcons recovered. But you know, he continues to be one of those guys that I know I'm gonna say it makes splash plays. You know, the tackles for loss and the strips. Um, I think are something. You know, again, we just saw Levante with a strip on a tackle for loss last week. Like those plays change a game in the playoffs. I mean, they they change a game. They change the course of a. You know, so. I still think he's that type of player, and uh, we we were you were ragging me a little bit, Scott, in the in the press box because he did give up the almost touchdown on that. Was that a fourth? I think it was a fourth down. He had a Hayden Hurst that yeah. they ended up calling back because he was down at the one and they scored anyway. But um, he was right there in coverage and just missed the ball. Um, and that's the same thing that happened with Jordan Whitehead with Hayden Hurst yeah. uh, back in week uh, fifteen or whatever. But anyway, it was uh, another performance by David. I thought that gives me a lot of hope that. This Bucks defense, they are going to need somebody to make a play. I think Carlton yeah. could be that guy. Uh, I think Levante can be that guy. And then it's a matter of which pass rusher can one of those pass rushers yeah. step up and be the guy. They and need they guys like that because they're not good enough to just hold teams. Levante Davis, Levante, we haven't we haven't seen nearly as many splash plays as we have, but you know he's, many picks, yeah. he's got a couple uh, in his back pocket. I think he's going to pull out as January rolls on. The Remember, period- he dropped two picks: the Denver game and the Giants game. Right. He dropped them straight up. The so, Peter Report podcast is going to roll on tomorrow night, 7.30. We're going to have the latest news with, with uh, the Mike Evans situation on PeterReport.com, so be sure to check out the website. More post-game coverage uh, coming up on PeterReport.com, and, of course, we'll find out after the conclusion of the Washington-Philadelphia Sunday night game who the Bucks will play, and more importantly, when will they play next week, and will they get Devin White back from the COVID list? So, John, I know uh, it'll be less than 24 hours. We'll be doing this again, and we'll have a full reaction from Bruce Arians tomorrow to discuss, plus an update on the injury situation. And we mm-hmm. want to thank all of you out there in Pewter Nation for, uh, for checking out the Pewter Report podcast tonight and for our content. We're having a record day on PewterReport.com. It's blowing up. And obviously, you Buccaneer fans are happy this team is 11-5 and five and, uh, and playoff bounds. Uh, we will talk to you tomorrow. And again, this whole week, primetime podcast, 7.30 Monday night, 7.30 Wednesday, where, where John and I will be back for our Pewter Report preview podcast. Will it be Washington? Will it be the New York Giants in a rematch? We'll have more on that uh, tomorrow. And then Thursday night, John will be uh, on with the guest to be determined. So we want to thank you all for subscribing to us on YouTube at Pewter Report TV. For John Ledyard and Mark Cook, I'm Scott Reynolds saying we'll see you tomorrow for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Out.